Hello, I'm Ronnie Lutz. This is The Liner Project. Welcome to Episode 6 of The Liner Project. Today, I'm going to be discussing a Sunbolt song called 10 Second News. It's off their first album, named Trace, that came out in 1995. It was the fifth song off of that album, and it is one of my favorite traveling albums. Luckily for me, it's also one of Shauna's favorite traveling albums. We Anywhere we go, on any kind of long trip that we're driving, Sunvolt Trace will be on. It's a great CD and it always keeps me awake. Sunvolt is one of the bands that I talked about last week when I talked about Uncle Tupelo. Jay Farrar, who was in Uncle Tupelo, had left Uncle Tupelo and he went on to create Sunvolt. And it's kind of a funny story of how I found Sunvolt. Maybe not funny, but it is interesting and it's not something I don't think too many people, young people, will know about today. So who remembers Columbia House? Columbia House Records or BMG was another one. I guess maybe they're actually still around. They don't, I don't think they do music now. I think they do DVDs. I briefly looked it up. I wasn't paying that much attention, but they used to be a mail order music club. They had these deals like you could get 12 cassettes for a penny, and then every month they would feature one cassette. And if you didn't send back a reply saying you didn't want it, you would get that cassette. I didn't reply once, and I got this cassette of Sunbolt, which was a band that I had never heard of. I wasn't a huge fan at the time, although they did have a song named St. Genevieve on that album, which is a town on the Mississippi River just north of where I lived, and it was a place that I'd heard of, but I kind of forgot about it for the most part. There was one good song called Drown that I listened to a little, but overall it wasn't something that I wanted to keep paying attention to. Until years later, Sean and I got into Uncle Tupelo, and then I found out that Jay Farrar was in Uncle Tupelo. So I went back and I listened to Sunvolt Trace, and I fell in love with all the songs. And one of those songs was the song we're going to talk about today, 10 Second News. 10 Second News is about a ghost town close to Eureka, Missouri, which is just outside of St. Louis. As a teenager, in the mid to late 80s, we would sometimes go to Six Flags over Mid-America. That's what it was called then. I think now it's Six Flags St. Louis. I love the Screaming Eagle. The Screaming Eagle was this old wooden roller coaster that would jerk you all around. It was a lot of fun. I'm only going to imagine, because I haven't been there since I was a teenager, probably wouldn't be so fun today. As an old man, jerky wooden roller coasters, not good. Six Flags is on Interstate 44, though, in Eureka, Missouri, and I-44 basically follows a historic route, 66, through Missouri, southwest from St. Louis to Joplin. It's an evenly numbered interstate, which signifies that it should run east and west, but it just could easily been an odd-numbered interstate because it runs as much north and south as it does east and west. It's actually a northeast to southwest. It goes from St. Louis, Missouri, all the way to Wichita Falls, Texas, through Oklahoma. I can remember traveling through on that road, and on the side of the road, you would see this ghost town called Times Beach. They had a sign there, Times Beach. It was about 15 minutes before you got to Six Flags. The whole town was still there, houses, shops, gas stations, and it was like everyone had just ran off. The story I was told back then, as I remember it, was there was radon, which is a radiative gas, emanating from the ground, and it caused the people to have to leave the area. I don't think I had any idea what radon was at that time. Pretty sure I don't even know what it is now. But come to find out later, when I went to research it, that wasn't what happened there at all. And the real story is actually more interesting, as 
most real stories are. Times Beach was founded in 1925 <laughs> on the floodplain of the Merrimack River. Probably not the best decision to put a city on a floodplain, but there you have it. The whole town was this crazy promotion by a St. Louis newspaper called the St. Louis Times. Get it? Times Beach. You could buy a 20-foot by 100-foot plot of land for $67.50. And with that, you could get a six-month newspaper subscription. <laughs> kind of sounds like getting HBO for free for six months with your cable subscription. But you got a piece of land. 20-foot wide doesn't seem very wide, but you did get the newspaper. So maybe it was worth it. The town was created primarily as a summer result. And even though $67.50 doesn't sound like much today, it would be about $1,000 in today's money. It'd be a pretty substantial amount of money at the time. And remember that you still had to build the house. And maybe you had to get two plots based on the size. I'm not sure 20 foot wide is wide enough. The town quickly became a place for summer houses and kind of a resort of sorts. It was located right on Historic 66, which, was, which has the nickname Main Street of America. So it would have been a decent amount of travel at the time. Unfortunately, the 30s came around, and with the 30s came the Great Depression, and then with the 40s came gasoline rationing during World War II, and it caused Times Beach to mostly be low-income housing. And by 1970, when this story takes place, the town had a population of about 1,240 of mostly lower-middle-income families. The St. Louis Times went out of business in 1951, and the town was never able to fund their infrastructure, their roads were never paved, which led to a substantial amount of dust. And that leads us right into the lyrics of 10 Second News. The first verse goes like this. goes like this. And it's hard enough soaking up billboard signs. You scorch and drown alive. Never known why. The levee gates are open wide. There's a car. So in the first verse, we heard that there's a beach there known for cancer. So how did Times Beach become known for cancer? It's a long story that I'll try to get through as succinctly as possible. In the late 1960s, Northeastern Pharmaceutical and Chemical Company, we'll call them Napaco from now on, started a facility in Verona, Missouri, which is in southwestern Missouri. They produced Agent Orange that was used during the Vietnam War. One of the byproducts of ancient orange production was a chemical called dioxin. In the early 70s, 
After the need for Agent Orange was gone, because the Vietnam War was over, Napaco started making hexachlorophene, which is an antibacterial used in soap, toothpaste, and other disinfectants. The byproduct of producing hexachlorophene is also dioxin. I'm going to tell you right now, I read through all of the chemical compounds, had no idea what any of that means. Agent Orange, hexachlorophene, dioxin. Dioxin apparently is bad. I know Agent Orange is bad, and I'm pretty sure hexachlorophene is bad too because they, they got rid of it. Napaco had a huge problem though. The most effective way to destroy dioxin is to incinerate it, which was very expensive at the time, probably still expensive. And as you know, capitalism always will prevail, and Napaco contracted an, another company, Independent Petrochemical Corporation, we'll call them IPC, to dispose of the waste dioxin. IPC charged Napaco $3,000 per load, $3,000 for a truckload. IPC then subcontracted Russell Bliss to haul it away for $125 a load. Bliss didn't get paid much compared to what IPC got paid. Bliss had also stated that no one told him what was in the drums other than waste oil. So he thought he was hauling waste oil. He hauled 18,500 gallons to his facility and mixed it with the used motor oil that he already had. Bliss would spray this waste oil on his horse arena and farm to keep the dust down. There was some people that had came and visited and noticed how effective it was, and soon people were asking him to spray their arenas and farms as well. So by May of 1971, Bliss got paid $150 to spray an indoor arena in Moscow Mills, Missouri. A few days later, birds began to die and horses began to get sores and lose their hair. Bliss was blamed for it, but he denied it. He said that all he sprayed was used motor oil and it wouldn't have had those effects. Although I can't imagine that even used motor oil was good to spray. And I was talking to Shauna about this back in, I don't know, our day, the early 80s. I remember oil being sprayed on dirt roads. They would bring trucks down that had these big sprinkler-like systems on the back and they would spray it. So it wasn't, it was a common thing, but Bliss had brought some other chemicals into the equation that weren't normally there. A month later, Bliss was hired to spray an arena near Jefferson City, Missouri, the capital, if you're interested in that kind of thing. This time, 12 horses died and some children were diagnosed with a skin condition associated with dioxin poisoning. Bliss was contracted to do another arena and the same kinds of problems arose. I have no clue how Bliss kept getting out of this. I haven't really, didn't really find that in any of the research, but he continued to be able to do this. But all of this did make the CDC wonder what was happening. So in August of 71, they went to the farms and tested human and animal blood samples. Dioxin really wasn't understood at the time, and the CDC didn't come to any kind of conclusive evidence as to what was causing the issues, so it was kind of left like that. Then the next year in 72, Times Beach comes around, because Times Beach never had the infrastructure to pave their roads. They had all dirt roads. They paid Bliss $2,400 to spray the roads in Times Beach, and he sprayed waste oil on them from 1972 to 1976. He sprayed about 160,000 gallons of waste oil on them. By 1979, the EPA had kind of noticed that there were issues around Missouri, and they stepped in to investigate. They did testing at the old Napaco plant. They understood what they were looking for by then, and they found very high concentrations of dioxin. In 1982, the EPA went back to the farms that Bliss had sprayed and found that they still had much more dioxin that was healthy for humans. A leaked EPA document listed 14 contaminated areas and 41 possible contaminated areas in Missouri. Times Beach was the largest community on that list. Most of the places they sprayed, there wasn't a lot of people. Times Beach had about 1,240 people. 
was the biggest place on there. Residents of Times Beach found out after the document was leaked, and they pressured the EPA to come investigate the town because there have been some issues there with animals, and there have been some issues there with some people, kids, that have been getting sick. During the investigation, the town's entire road network, which was about 23 miles of road, was confirmed to have extremely high concentrations of dioxin. That was August. On December 3, 1982, just after the EPA had finished its investigation, a flood of Tom's Beach caused the entire town to be evacuated. This was a, they called it a once-in-a-hundred-year flood. There are pictures of it online where water is all the way up to roofs of houses. On December 23, 1982, the CDC recommended that the entire town could not be inhabited and everyone was told that they could not return. In January of 1983, President Ronald Reagan created the Times Beach Dioxin Task Force. They recommended that the government buy the entire town. The U.S. government paid $33 million and Missouri had to pay $3.7 million for a total of $36.7 million. Each person got a little bit of money and that was that. Times Beach contained 50% of the total dioxin in the whole state of Missouri. So an incinerator was built there at Times Beach to incinerate all the dioxin material from across the state. There ended up being 265,000 tons of contaminated material that was incinerated at Times Beach. The eventual cost of this program was almost $200 million. For all of the destruction and all the money that it cost to clean it up, there weren't a lot of lawsuits based on liability. In the end, there were lots of new laws created to combat these issues from ever happening again, but the people that it did it, there weren't really any laws against it at the time, so they really didn't have to worry about too much. Pretty soon afterward, actually just about a couple months later, there were some scientists and doctors that believed dioxin poisoning wasn't as bad for humans as originally thought, but either way, the town got bulldozed over, and there was a state park that was created in its place. It's called the Route 66 State Park, or Route 66 State Park, however you want to say it. It has one building left from the original Times Beach. It was a roadhouse or bar or whatever you want to call it. It's now the Parks and Visitor Center for the Route 66 State Park. And that concludes this chapter on Times Beach. So here are the clues for next week's episode. I think this will be fairly easy. A little easier than this song was. I talked to a lot of people and this was... Well, obviously, Sunvolt's not a very known band, very well-known band. No one knows this song, unless you're in the alt-country like I am. And the clues were a little hard. I did what I could, but it was just a hard episode. So this one shouldn't be too hard. This band is from New York and started out as a hardcore punk band named the Young Aborigines. The song that we will be discussing has references to Isaac Newton, Ponce de Leon, Constantly On, Gal- Galileo, and Ben Franklin. That should end it for this week for that. I want to just talk a little bit about some of the stuff we got going on now. We have a t-shirt. The link will be in the show notes called My Playlist is Killer. It was designed by my wife who is great at designing these kind of things. It has cassettes all on the front with songs written on the cassettes. Basically the playlist is coming up for October. It's a killer playlist and as my friend Vic says, whether you're the Slayer, the Slayee, or just fascinated by serial killers, these are the tracks to die for. So this particular playlist, every song has something to do with some kind of killer, or maybe it is actually sang by a killer. You can find that shirt, like I said, on Teespring. It'll be in the show notes. You can find me at Ronnie Lutz on Twitter or Facebook. You can find the podcast at The Liner Project 
on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram. If you're not on TikTok, download it. I don't know if this will come out before the government tries to get rid of it, but download it because it is worth it. It's a great platform. It's so much fun. Download TikTok, find the at the liner project and follow them there. Follow me, follow it, whatever. For homework, you can get a hold of me at any of those places. And you can also email me at Ronnie at the liner project.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great couple of weeks.